Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is College Hockey Southwest Live. From the Summer Skate Studios, behind the mask hockey shops, present College Hockey Southwest Live for December 12th, 2021. Tonight's scheduled guest nchchockey.com writer and gateway editor jordan mcalpine behind the masks college hockey southwest lives brought to you by the nchc and nchc.tv subscribe to nchc.tv to watch the best in college hockey since 2013 behind the mask hockey shops visit any of our three valley locations or go to behindthemask.com whether you're on ice or in line unlv hockey ACHA Division I Hockey under the bright lights of Las Vegas. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, dine-in, take-out, or catering your next event. We're at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos. Anywhere you want to go, you can bet there's a Caesars Resort in the center of the action. By Boost Mobile. With Boost Mobile, you always get plans and phones that fit your needs. And by Burrito Express. The East Valley's home of the always available breakfast burrito. Go to burritoexpress.com for the location near you. College Hockey Southwest Live from the Summer Skate Studios, presented by Behind the Mask, is a part of the Ice Time Hockey SW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right. Welcome in, hockey fans, NCAA hockey fans, as it may be. This indeed is College Hockey Southwest Live. It's our Sunday night reaction show where Paul and I and a guest will generally uh, react to everything that's happened uh, in the world of college hockey over the past uh, few days. Ah, coming to you live from the Summer Skates Convalescence um, Unit as I uh, continue to recover from pneumonia. Paul Hornstein, my longtime co-host, joining me from beautiful Long Island, New York. Paul, how are you? Are we supposed to actually have reactions? Yeah, that's that's the point. That's kind of the point. But that's why we bring Jordan on, because we always get a reaction out of Jordan. Well, yeah, because we need him from somebody. I don't ever have any opinions. <laughs> no, 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 no. Speaking of, the, speaking of that, the Super 16 is out. We're not going to break it out yet. But, uh, folks, you'll want to stay tuned for that, because my co-host has got the uh, Super 16 for this week. All listed, all yeah, ready to go. Boring. It's yeah, it's pretty boring actually because it's uh, pretty similar to a past week, I think. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's no mistake in the dates on this one. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, and uh, some some Golden Knights team in green and white had a rough weekend. Uh, yes, they did. Um, uh, the uh, uh, our buddy uh, Cap Carry up there was. Uh, um, a bit cranky, shall we say, uh, <laughs> yeah. about what happened this weekend between uh, him not being used to the stream and uh, which I can say this week was 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 pretty good. It was um, much better than the last few weeks, but that's we could do shows on that. Um, yeah. Indeed, we could. And uh, I mean. He was also kind of cranky about the amount of penalties called against Clarkson. And 
to me, that's just kind of par for the course. Um, not necessarily against Clarkson, but um, Big Ten referees. <laughs> I yeah, guess they're and, just, they're just and, used to calling tons and tons of things <laughs> that are not called against those other seven teams uh, that they officiate uh, during the season. And when they're officiating other games. Well, let, let me tell you. Paul, what I what my feelings on that are, I think the Big Ten officials have uh, certainly have an eye towards Arizona State because since day one they've been known as a big physical team that likes to hit. Um, Clarkson, big physical team that likes to hit. So that you know, in the Big Ten, let's be honest, the Big Ten doesn't like to hit very much. They like to play uh, offensive hockey. And, yeah, uh, that, that is true. Yeah, occasionally they have some great goaltending, and uh, and they'll win games that way. But but they're not the teams that are going to be beating you up like you would say in the ECAC or uh, you know. And Arizona State, that's their style of play. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean it's always a penalty. It just means that's your style of play. And I don't think some of the officials for the Big Ten um, really adjust their game to that. Uh, they clearly don't. Um, honestly, I, I, I would love to know, and we're never going to find out, uh, why the deal was struck, say with the, uh, big 10, as opposed to, uh, say a, a conference with referees that might work a little bit closer to Tempe. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you tiptoe around that one? Uh, <laughs> well, did, did I, I really, it. If, if, did I come really on t- say it? How come they didn't cut a deal with the NCHC? Uh, probably right. because the Big Ten is where everybody, except maybe Coach Powers, if you put truth serum in them, uh, wants Arizona State to end up. They think they belong there. They think they no, the, should the be there. want them there. Yeah. Well, that's everybody. That's the money. That's who talks. That's yeah. That, I get it. That's, but that's makes not a difference. where I think they should end up hockey wise. I totally agree with you, and you know that. I've made yeah. my feelings known on that for uh, for four or five years now. Is that I just don't think that's a good fit at all for hockey. It might be uh, in the short term for money, but I don't even think it's a good long term bet for money. I think it's. Uh, I just think it's not the right mix, and I hope that they don't go that way. I don't either, but you know we don't. They don't, they don't ask me my opinion. I just give it on this. So nor me, hear it. nor me. <laughs> um, but that being said, um, I, I thought ASU played solid this weekend. Um, I, they're really starting to get uh, some production from that line with O'Reilly and Chris Grando on it, and I got. I don't remember off the top of my head who the third guy was on that on that line um because i don't want to not give them credit for it um i'll have to look it up here um but yeah uh, well, well you look line... it up you look it up i'll tell you that um i totally agree with you i think things are coming together here's here's the problem that i see uh with arizona state and you and i talked uh, about Mike this out the air yes michael mancinelli um the uh the problem that I see is their their margin for getting into the tournament as an independent is razor thin. I mean razor thin. They stand at 9-9-0 and right now. They have a big, huge trip to Colorado College. Yes, they do. Uh, 
uh, this coming weekend. Then they're going to come back have the Christmas holiday off, but then they're going to come back and they get Cornell. And uh, Cornell is not exactly a pushover at nine one and one. No, uh, I mean they're not. I mean, um, and and I really, to be honest, I don't like to. I don't really want to look that far ahead at this point. Um, these two games against Colorado College are huge. Um, I think ASU is the better team. Whether or not they are, whether or not. Uh, they are the better team on Friday and Saturday night is another story. Uh, I, I think ASU has more of an ability to score than Colorado College does. Um, uh, it'll just be the, 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 the fact of the matter is um, that the early season trends are, are reversing now. They're getting much better on the penalty kill, and you don't expect a team to be at 50% power play percentage all year long but uh they've now gone two weekends without scoring a power play goal um but they got really good goaltending from ben cross um they played uh, relatively mistake free on defense um now i don't want to sit here and say that clarkson has the offensive talent that denver does but they're good enough where if you're make mistakes and you're not in the right position that they could score. Yeah. Now, now let me tell you that I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly what they have to watch for against uh, Colorado college. Colorado college is not going to give up a lot of goals. We know that all season long, they've been really good at minimizing goals. I mean, this weekend against North Dakota, they were actually in a two, one game for the final 42 seconds of the game when they went to an empty net and got scored on twice. Um, so yeah. they're not going to give you a lot. No, they're um, not going to give it to you. That's you what know, I'm but, saying. But, but what they will take from you, Paul, is if you get caught in an odd man rush, if you forget about the back door, um, they do have some guys that can finish on that. They're not, they're not guys that are going to light up the scoreboard, um, as we mentioned, but uh, you, can't, you can't forget about them because if you do, they will finish some plays. Well, yeah, because if you're making mistakes – you're making them because you're leaving a, you're leaving the goaltender naked, uh, and usually when ASU makes those mistakes, those are usually backdoor mistakes, or they're giving up odd man rushes. Um, as for CC, uh, that game on Saturday night was nuts. They basically yeah. spent the last forty minutes of play with somebody in the penalty box. Whether, yeah, it was I, a, whether it was a fighting or uh, a tiger, somebody was in the box almost the entire second and third period. Yeah, I'm going to say Chris and, Mayotte was not happy with well, that uh, no. final two periods. Yeah, but not only was he – I mean, he, he'd he be happy with a penalty kill. Not going to be happy with the fact that they couldn't score a power play goal. Yeah, but I mean, come on. They're they're going up against North Dakota. Who who scores power play goals against North Dakota? Not many. Well, but you still have when you have the opportunities. And that's the way you're going to beat North Dakota is taking advantage of your opportunities. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with you on that part of it, okay. but Okay. Um, they got one, but I don't know, it just seemed like they were on the power play the whole game. Uh, yeah, well, it, it, penalty. You just, it wasn't, know, a, it just... wasn't a good weekend for, for Colorado college hockey, but 
you know what? They got through it. They learned something. I'm sure coach will tell us uh, when we talk to him that they actually learned a lot um, yeah, sure. playing that team. And uh, let's just see what happens this weekend coming up against Arizona state. Let's take a quick break ball. Cause okay. we got Jordan McAlpine in the, uh, in the wings and uh, we'll go to Jordan here in two minutes and start talking some NCHC hockey. More than 140 live games from the nation's best college hockey conference. Ready for you, wherever you are, however you want to watch. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. On your phone, tablet, or stream to your TV. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv. If it's nchc hockey, it's on nchc.tv. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Phil Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. As you plan your next trip, or perhaps your first trip in a while, Drury Hotels has over 150 locations to help you travel happy again. Winners of 16 consecutive JD Power Awards for guest satisfaction, Drury Hotels treats you right. Free hot breakfast and happy hours, 24-hour fitness and business centers, as well as more than enough Wi-Fi bandwidth to take care of all your connectivity needs. Whether you're traveling for business, catching a hockey game, or just trying to reconnect with cozy moments, Dre Hotels have the location and amenities you need when looking for a place to stay. Call 1-800-DRURY-IN or go to druryhotels.com and book your stay today. Drury Hotels, where our home is your home. Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is College Hockey Southwest Live. All right, welcome back in College Hockey Southwest Live. This is our Sunday night reaction show where we talk NCAA, NCHC, and, of course, Arizona State Hockey. Scott Strandy uh, joining you tonight from Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host is always Paul Hornstein from beautiful Long Island, New York. And it's our pleasure, Paul, to welcome back in from the Gateway uh, in Omaha and also nchchockey.com, Jordan McAlpine. Jordan, Scott, and Paul with you tonight. How are you, my friend? Good. Thanks for having me on, as always. How are you guys doing tonight? I can't complain. You know, it, uh, anytime I can get a December day that's near 50 degrees here, I'm very happy. <laughs> Jordan, I can complain a little bit. This is uh, uh, th- this is week, uh, week. This is like day 10 of pneumonia for me. So uh, I'd like to be feeling a lot better and be uh, back on my feet, which I hope in the next couple of days. But, yeah, if I'm a little raspy tonight, that's what it is. So. Uh, you and Paul might have to take over if I start coughing up along here. <laughs> I was going to say, I know uh, 
I'd seen a, your tweet about it earlier this week and then texted you a little bit about it. Hopefully uh, you're back on the mend here sooner rather than later. Well, I'm running out of medication, so either uh, either <laughs> I'm going to get better or not. So <laughs> we'll find out. Actually, I am feeling better today. So once I get over this soreness, because when you cough so long, uh, all of your ribs and every muscle in your body, I think, starts to hurt. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about NCHC hockey. You saw a good one. Um you weren't there in Western, right? You were watching it on the... Yeah, uh, I covered from home this weekend. Yeah, so, uh, so let's start right there, Jordan. What did you see between Western Michigan and Omaha? Yeah, last night was about as uh, entertaining of a game as you could ask for for a hockey fan. You uh, talk about a goaltending duel. That's what you got in every facet of that definition between Isaiah Seville and Brandon Bussey. I, I want to say Seville finished the night with 41 saves. Um he did had two or three in the third period down the stretch there. One of which, um, Oh, backhand. It was a backhand shot, uh, coming in the slot there. I want to say it was from Jason Poland. If I remember the play right for Western Michigan, it's about four, three, four minutes left. That, uh, was literally probably the textbook definition of a game-saving save right there. An incredible agility from Seville, Seville standpoint to sprawl out around the crease and rob him there. But, all, all throughout the night, I know the uh, one goal Omaha got, Chase Primo tipped a uh, Kirby Proctor shot over Bussey's shoulder, but it was back and forth robbery at each end. So it was uh, definitely definitely fun night to fun night to cover from afar, but uh, looking at that series as a whole too, uh, I, I know, Paul, you probably joked that uh, – I know you said multiple <laughs> times that I'm the person that turned you on to Western Michigan earlier yeah. this season, yeah. but – yeah, the Broncos are for real. Even if you look Saturday night and that one nothing loss, it was a a lot to like. So, well, I was gonna say. I mean, I'm sitting here and watching this team, and and I mean, outside of uh, the game at Miami, I'm sorry. I I don't know why I'm looking at the uh, Omaha. Uh, uh, Western just doesn't lose games they're not supposed to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to sit there and talk about the game on uh, on, on on Saturday night. I mean, you, what you got on Saturday night was was the textbook definition of if, if a really good goalie gets hot, he can steal. He, he he's he, that's that's the kind of game you'll see in the NCAA tournament. And, and, and that's when you'll get an upset or in the conference tournament. Um, uh, Seville was really on his game Saturday night. And that's what makes Omaha a dangerous team uh, in terms of getting through the gauntlet that is this conference, especially in the, ter- in the conference tournament. But Western Michigan, especially at home, is just – they're just uh, – they're, they're just so deep. And they get in front of that crowd, and it goes. They don't call them the lunatics for nothing, right? <laughs> yeah, they de- they definitely earned that nickname this weekend. So, I, I will say too, we- weekend as a whole, but especially Saturday, um, watching that. One of the mo- obviously both of those teams coming into this season, everybody talked about the experience. You look at Omaha. I know Conley, Sunberg, Konepke come back. You add McManus, but roster as a whole how veteran-led in that roster was. You look across the ice with Western, same thing. I know Frank Washi, um, 
Colin, Drew Warad's having a good year. Ronnie Adderd comes back. But you look up and down the ice Saturday night. You, you saw the proverbial big boy hockey being oh, yeah. played on both sides with it. Um, a couple moments specifically, which I will say Saturday night too, um, I'm surprised there wasn't more uh, a mass time and reviews than the actual game itself. But you, you, <laughs> That's you what look, I was going with you. <laughs> you, 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 look, you look at Taylor Ward's hit. I know um, Conley got the misconduct there for, for his hit there, but on both sides throughout the night, a lot of uh, a lot of bodies being thrown. Good defensive play. Shots blocked in the slot. It's uh, almost had that playoff feel to it, which for mid December, um, it, it it would be a uh, interesting matchup if those two teams meet later on down the road, to say the least, because the Broncos don't make a trip to Omaha this season. So, Jordan, I, I was uh, kind of laughing to myself as I was watching you tweet because you'd go. Uh, there's a penalty. Oh, there's a review. There's a penalty. Oh, there's a review. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, Paul and I had our eyes on Arizona State, and there was quite a bit of that at Arizona State too, but not quite what you were going through. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, I saw Western play at Denver, and and I, I saw two things that, that surprised me. I, I was expecting Western to just really be dominant, and, and the two things that I saw was their depth was exposed – by Denver those two nights, but was really exposed on Saturday night was their conditioning. They just could not keep up with Denver on Saturday night. Um, and I just don't know if that, if, if that big bruising lineup is going to be able to keep up with a fast, speedy team down the stretch. You know, and I, I do, um, I know we actually talked about that exact series, if I remember right, the last time you guys had me on or two episodes ago. Looking at how they've played since then, especially the St. Cloud series that they swept right after that Denver, um, getting swept at Denver. I, I don't want to use the altitude as the cliche excuse or point the finger to it, but I really do think that was part of it, catching up to them in a little bit of a one-off. And, and I will say, uh, coming – well, Coming into last night, they had won seven straight. Uh, sure, you look at Miami as part of that, but you sweep a St. Cloud team that a lot of people throughout the season have considered the top or one of the top teams in the country. They play Omaha well, even in the loss last night. That You, you look at how this team is built. Sure, you look. Denver is a classic example, and that speed matchup might catch up to them, but I, I do see a team – Maybe, maybe a little bit more postseason built at the professional level than they would be at the college level with it. But yeah, at the same time, with that Denver weekend, I, I do think from what I've seen of Western Michigan this year, that series is definitely the outlier. And, and even well, to go back further, when they played Duluth and Michigan earlier this year, I mean, you, you want to talk about a speed matchup when they're playing against the Wolverines there, especially with his power and star-studded as that. Uh, as Michigan is this season, you the speed didn't catch up to them there, which makes me even further lead into the uh, wanting to believe in the altitude being the factor out there. Well, listen, it, it definitely is a factor. There is no, there's no question. Um, and you're playing uh, against a Denver team that, especially especially at home, uh, let's face it, that that team is is. Uh, maybe not experience deep, but they certainly are talent deep. And 
it is not a shame. There's nothing shameful about losing two at Denver. Mm-hmm. Well, you if know, you want to who you are, yeah. And I was going to say, if you want to segue that uh, perfectly into this, look at Denver this weekend uh, up in Duluth with it. I know the second game. 6-2 in the box score is going to make that look a lot worse. But, I mean, Friday night, sure, you can look at it as Ryan Fante was coming back from a, a couple weeks being in COVID protocol there. But they hung five on him. And that game as a whole, I was actually um, split screen going back and forth between right. the two. That game was over pretty early in the first period that Denver just controlled that throughout the night. And, I mean – you look at Denver's roster, I know we talk about on here all the time, sure, you've got the Brinks, sure, you've got the Savoy, but the Mike Bennings of the world, Missouri, Shyblum, like all the all these other younger kids that if they can all click the right buttons and step up, you know it and I know it, Denver's going to be right there at that conversation at the end of the season with it. So let's not sit here and no. Um, look, look at it that that way with it. That we all know the potential is there with Denver. Sure, and and games get away from people. I mean that that just happens through the course of the through in the course of a season. And you know Duluth scores early in that game, and then gets a power play goal a few minutes later. I mean, I don't care who you are. You're going down two or three nothing against Duluth at, at Amsoil. There are very few teams that are going to come back in that situation against that team. It just doesn't matter. Yep. That's a good point. And, and you also got to figure in that Denver played the weekend without Sean Behrens, who uh, I know he's a freshman, but he's already on the top defensive pairing. Um, he's the guy that makes them go. So uh, two things out of that. The weekend, uh, the, the Friday night game, I should say, without Sean Behrens was even more impressive. Uh, mm-hmm. to see them come out like that. And then the second game was really, uh, yeah, we're missing Sean Barron's. Uh, <laughs> they could have used him very badly on Saturday. And uh, what I what I think with Denver guys is that, um, and, and, you know, I've been there since almost day one. So uh, I, I've watched this team mature. I said that about Sean when, when he was uh, announced to uh, Team USA invitee camp, I guess is the official way to say it. But, um, uh, when I stood next to him, I said, Jesus, Sean, what happened to you over the last four weeks? Because uh, you went from a kid to a man. And he said, yeah, I've been putting a lot of time in the weight room. Well, it showed. And uh, and not only physically, but experience-wise, when you see uh, Carter Mazur, you see uh, uh, Shai Booyam, you see uh, Sean Behrens, you see all these guys maturing and getting uh, more experience, and it's not Christmas time yet. They are going to be a scary team come mid-March. Yeah, no, no doubt on that one. <laughs> so, so let's segue out of that, Jordan, because uh, we're looking at the pairwise, or at least I have it in front of me. And um, uh, how many teams from NCHC can get into this NCAA tournament? You know that. <laughs> Obviously, all of us in the media talk about it with the million-dollar question around it. And you look previously throughout the last four or five years here that looking at how top-heavy this conference is, but at the same time for this season, it's not just top-heavy. It's top-to-bottom-heavy. And even, I mean, not that they're going to be in the national tournament discussion unless 
pull off a miracle and win the frozen faceoff to get the auto qualifier or something like that. But look at Colorado College, how they've played the last few weekends, really showing some of those steps and strides there. That um, realistically looking at it, though, I do think the argument is easily there for five. And depending on how the season goes for some of these teams, sure, with only 16 teams making the tournament, it'd be awfully hard for this to happen. But I think there's a reasonable argument to be made for six NCHC teams being there. And not to get too far ahead looking at it this way, but I I do think, and I've talked to a few people about this, one of the uh, best scenarios or situations might be that team that's fifth or sixth in a lot of people's eyes is the person that ends up winning that frozen face off at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. That would throw everything. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're into a mixer. Oh yeah. They're getting four for sure. I, I think they're four easily. I, mean, I think they're question. getting five for sure because uh, look, well, at our, look, look at the pairwise right now. We got Denver at three, North Dakota at four, Minnesota Duluth at five, Western at seven, St. Cloud at eight. There's your five right there in the top yeah, eight. I mean, yep. yeah. I, I mean, I mean. Listen, any weird things can happen, but I mean, this could be the year they get six. Well, and uh, I will say, as it sits currently, uh, I would be uh, obviously a lot of season left. I would be a firm believer that we are looking at that five spot, um, four NCHC teams getting into it. But where it gets real interesting to me is you look at the second half. If you get a couple of these teams that start to beat up on each other in conference play, you're almost better off having a lot of splits from the conference standpoint, looking at it down the stretch run, which obviously very good chance that that's what happens for a lot of these series coming up here. But That's what's been happening. Yeah, and hopefully from the conference sake that that's what keeps repeating itself with it too. But uh, uh, if – it's December twelfth, and if uh, if I was putting a bet in Vegas right now, I'd be going with five NCHC teams or sitting on the sixteen at the end of the year. I mean, and right now, uh, Omaha at fifteen is right there on the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, there, they've got a. I don't listen. I can't sit here and tell you that that how much one. I mean, basically, they're they're one game out of fourteen. And, you know, Ohio State is one game out of 15 in terms of, uh, of in terms of the pairwise. And, uh, you know, who the heck knows what's going to happen in the Big Ten? Um, we know the NCHC teams are going to beat up on each other. And, and there's almost no losses in the NCHC that hurt your pairwise. No, uh, uh, unless you're, uh, hate to say it, unless you're losing to Miami, that might be the one right now that drops you a little bit with it. But at the same same time, it's not like you're losing to wide spot in the road state. You're it's a, it's it's a formidable opponent across the ice with you there. Yeah. I mean, there's still, I mean, there are 59 teams this year and they're in the mid forties. So it's not like, Mm -hmm. um, you're losing to a team that's 57 or 58, you know? Um, and, you know, once again, we talk about the goalie, right? Ludwig Pearson. He's the reason yep. why Ben Cross won two games this weekend in Tempe because, um, you know, on the last place team, he was the, the, the first team all conference goalie last year. So, 
um, you better be ready to play them too. Well, and I will say, and I'm uh, not 100% sure who is between the pipes for them today. Um, I know they were playing Mercyhurst, but Pearson got hurt a few weeks ago. And to be, to be bluntly honest with you, I haven't really been paying too much attention to what's, uh, what's been going on in Oxford the last couple of weeks that I'm not even a hundred percent sure if Pearson is, is back between the pipes or not that, uh, if not, that even fur- further hurts the, uh, the cause that I know he was the, you don't want to say it's an individual show out there, but the one guy keeping them in the Red Hawks in a lot of those games there. Yeah. I mean, let's say he played, he played today. Okay. He played today. Let's see. I mean, I don't know if he played last weekend or not, um, but he definitely played today. According to the box score. And we know there's been issues with the box score, but it can't be that often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, they, were, they might have the right goaltender. You know, okay. So, um, so Jordan, let me ask you this real quick. Um, so l- let's say that the unthinkable, uh, I guess the, the outside hockey world, other than us that, that follow the NCHC closely, let's say the unthinkable happens and six uh, NCHC get teams get in. When you start looking at that 16, uh, how much more difficult does it make it for Arizona State? Paul, cover your ears, Paul, because you don't like to hear this. But, Jordan, I, I put out what I call a magic number every year. Well, and because I, and, these magic and here's numbers why I do are it. foolish. Here's why I do it, Jordan. One. That's Jordan, why here's why I do it. Paul, cover your ears. Cover your ears. say one. Cover your ears. Okay, so, so Jordan, here's what I do. I look at it and I go, okay, as an independent, you are going to need to win X amount of games for you to be considered anywhere near the top in the in the pairwise uh, when it comes down to tournament time. So in Arizona State's case this year, I, I believe I said 24 originally, and then I altered it to 23, and, and thinking that that might be the number. So that being said, um, if Arizona State's going to get into this tournament, uh, they're 9-9 nine nine right now. They're going to need 14 more wins down the stretch, which means they're going to have to win seven of their last, what, nine series. And and I took them out of the Minnesota State one. I don't think they have a prayer at Minnesota State. Um, but who knows? Got to win one of those games. And, and then they have two games of exhibition against which Lindenwood, which obviously don't count. So, so that being said, um, is that going to make that number for an independent even harder? Because six of the teams could be from the NCHC? Well, obviously, with the independent, we all know your back's against the wall to begin with from that national perspective with it. I was going to say from Arizona State's standpoint, I know last month they went um, toe-to-toe with Quinnipiac. Just thinking off the top of my head here, I know they lost all four against Denver. don't don't they have Cornell here in a few weeks too? They have Cornell. I, they play yeah. at BU, and we know yeah, BU so is January first and second. They have Cornell at Arizona State. I I would say from the end. I don't get me wrong. Cornell has actually been on a little bit of a run here. I want to say they're nine and one. If nine, I don't have their record, and yeah, when, okay, nine one and one. Um, from Cornell's standpoint, there, if you get a win in that series, makes your resume a little bit more formidable. But I I do think. The Quinnipiac losses, you go 0-4 against Denver. Probably getting swept up in Mankato. I would put good money on it. it you wonder how much the resume is really there. And I, I will say from the NCHC standpoint, too, that's the same kind of elephant in the room with this Omaha team this year, I guess, 
is looking at their non-conference schedule, who have you played type of thing. And sure, you got to play the games that are handed to you. Any opponent, D1 hockey is a formidable opponent, all the cliches that come with it. But at, at the same time, it, it's still Long Island, Alaska, Maine, those teams aren't really moving the needle for you on the national perspective with no, it. No, but you have to win that, games. It, no, and that that's the, the truth, that you got to win every game that's played to you. But when it comes down to it, if you're looking at, from a, a committee standpoint or a pairwise standpoint, if you're looking at an Omaha team compared to Arizona State or a Denver compared to Arizona State, any NCHC team for that matter, that's got a formidable record in NCHC play, just knowing how tough that conference is, I don't really see how there's as much of an argument from the Arizona State side. And I, I just actually right now pulled up their schedule looking the rest of the way. RIT, Lindenwood, four games against Alaska, uh, CC this weekend. There's not a, a whole lot moving the needle for me there. And well, look, no. looking at how they've done earlier this year, yeah, like you said, you got to win the games that are played. But at the same time, to me – in my opinion, there's got to be a few signature wins along the way. If you're an NCHC team, if you're an uh, independent team, it's that much more crucial to really make your cost or make your case. Oh yeah, their backs up are, against, are definitely up against the wall. Um, they got it put there by losing those uh, both of those games against Denver at home. Uh, you've got to beat. You've got to win your home games, and and that includes the two against Cornell. Uh, and then when you go on the road, you've got to you have to take minimum two of the four games against Minnesota State and BU. You've got to take two of those. Yeah, and I, I I don't see uh, I don't, I know Greg Powers. I got all the respect for him as a coach. I know he's got a good team, but I don't see that happening. <laughs> oh, I didn't say I saw it happening. I'm just saying that's what they're going to have to do. Yep. In, in order to have a shot at this, because those those first five teams, they're getting in. Uh, you know, Denver, North Dakota, Duluth, Western, and St. Cloud. I can't even see a scenario unless they basically don't win another game where those five teams are not getting in. And if you were to ask me that question today, too, uh, at least so far, and don't, don't get me wrong from the Omaha perspective, I know they had the win in St. Cloud, had the win this weekend against Western, but at the end of the day, it's going to be tough for six teams out of yeah. 16 in the country to get into a tournament. If I were to say which NCHC teams are going to be in the conference, it's those five. You read there, Paul, North Dakota, St. Cloud, Duluth, um, Western, and Denver, Look, yeah. looking at the big picture. And granted, there's a lot of season left. A, B, like I said, you might get into that situation where in Omaha or Denver – even Western in that cause um, win the frozen face off and get that auto qualifier. But then that raises a question of, well, if that's, if that's happening, does one of those top echelon teams get pushed out that there's, there's so many moving parts that uh, at least thankfully um, this season, we have a pairwise situation. I know uh, especially from talking to David Carl, he's probably very appreciative of that <laughs> after, oh, after, after, after the way that last season ended with it, that I know uh, DC and I have, uh, have talked at wit's end about that, uh, whether it's at media day or a couple conversations earlier this season. But I mean, it, the, the pairwise really is uh, going to, going to make, make things a lot easier to look at come tournament time. So, <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, do you agree or do you disagree with me, Jordan? I mean, I don't see how those top and, and really any scenario other than complete collapses. No, knocks, I don't either. <laughs> that knocks those teams out of the top ten in the pairwise. Forget no, about they, uh, being on they, the bubble. Let, let's let's go a step farther because because I think when you look at one through eight right now in the pairwise, find me one of those teams that's not going to get in the tournament. I, I think it all starts at nine with UMass, Notre no, I, Dame, well, Minnesota, UMass, Lowell, Northeastern, Michigan Tech, Oklahoma, uh, Ohio State. That's where the battle is going to be because I, I don't see those top eight being ousted by anybody. Yeah, uh, and I, 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 I oh, go ahead, Paul. I was going to say I don't I don't see the way they're playing right now, and I mean. The, the, UMass has got that cushion below them, and 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 they're kind of isolated in that nine spot. So, I mean, the battle really comes in ten to sixteen, or ten to fifteen. Um, well, and I I will say specifically from my end, I guess looking around the from from the team I cover, looking around the rest of the country with it, I do think the thing that does potentially help Omaha's cause is. Looking at how their second half schedule lines up, even if you go 500 down the stretch there, it's going to be a very hard case, a resume, as people like to say, to uh, to block you out of the tournament at the end of the year, especially four against North Dakota, four against Denver there. They played Duluth in a series here in Omaha. There's St. Cloud comes to Omaha too. I mean – like I said, you, you talk about magic numbers there, but even if you go 500 down that stretch run there, you're talking eight, nine wins against teams that I know, Paul, you and I just agreed on it there, but so many people around the country say are a guaranteed top team in the country. If you're going to play with the best, you got to beat the best, obviously. And if, if you're doing that, it makes your case a lot stronger. Yeah. Okay, the, so let me... The only thing I... Hold on a second. The only thing I see... Working against Omaha in that situation is they have a lot of road games in the second half. Yes. A lot of road games. <laughs> yeah. And I, I will say, too, if you want to really look look into it there, one of the NCHC teams the Mavs have had their biggest struggles against in recent years is Miami. Right. They got a trip to Oxford, and I don't have the number in front of me here, but going off the top of my head, I want to say they've lost like five of the last six games. out. I know – Two years ago, right a uh, few weeks before COVID shut down the season, actually, they were on a roll for a little bit, went out to Oxford, and Miami swept them. Miami comes to Omaha in no- earlier this November. Red Hawks walk away at the split. Omaha goes out to CC in January. Once again, you look two weeks ago, CC walks in here and takes a game from them. That, yeah, we want to sit here and talk about the uh, North Dakota games, the Duluth games, the Denver games, but you make a very good case, Paul, that the uh, road schedule could catch up to them, and it's also not just those premier teams that you really got to worry about as potential roadblocks. Yeah, I got I got a couple things I want to throw in here quickly before we uh, before we run out of time. Um, number one is for both of you guys, uh, if I say uh, Michigan is going to lose six games this year at the beginning of the year, but before Christmas. Anybody going to believe that? Anybody going to buy it? I might have. Really? Uh, I I don't I don't know about the, the, the before Christmas makes that tempting, but uh, look in the last few years here, it seems that the uh, the teams that everyone wants to sit there and label as the 
top dogs that are the preseason national champion pick, all the accolades that come with it. There seems to be a, a few times throughout the season. Granted, Alabama football might have a, a word to say with me about this one, but where some, some, <laughs> yeah, somewhere, well. along, somewhere along the line, there's a slip up. But you look at Western Michigan's roster construction, how that team's laid out. And this, by no means is this me, meant as a indictment on what they have up there. There's no denying the talent they have. There's no denying the future bona fide NHLers that sit on that roster right now. But even look at that Western Michigan series they had in non-conference play. I'm not so sure that team's built for that style of game. And also, I mean, from looking at it in the big picture, that almost makes you look, come tournament time, look at Wisconsin last year against Bemidji State as a classic example in the uh, – um, or, or yeah, in the NCAA tournament there – these run-and-gun skill teams, or a better example, look at Mankato the last few years, what they did to Minnesota specifically last year. These run-and-gun, high-speed, high-talent team run into a well-balanced, big, strong, experienced team, and the game has to change for them, and not always do they adjust well. That from Michigan's standpoint this season – I don't know if the before Christmas uh, little, little stipulation <laughs> you throw in there yeah, it makes, that, makes me think I about it for a, a little bit, a little bit more. But if you're talking six games as a whole, I could easily see that. But I, I wouldn't be completely surprised. Um, I know they had a slip up this past weekend against Ohio State, who's actually coming on a little bit here lately. But you know. Um, maybe I'm trying to talk myself out of this in my response here to you. <laughs> I, I, I really, but, honestly, but... <laughs> Jordan, I mean, this has been a crazy year regardless. I mean, uh, how many upsets have we had? Uh, how many, uh, you know, teams do we think, uh, how are they going to lose? And, and, and it's not just Michigan. So, I mean – so, Paul, Paul, you answered that one. Did you think Michigan would have six losses before no. Christmas? No. Yeah, I didn't either. I, I honestly did not believe that would happen. Did. But yeah. Okay, so yeah, so, you you so real quick, Scott, you, you throw that pre that pre Christmas stipulation in there, and I, I think you're changing my answer there. If you're looking season <laughs> at a, if you're looking season at a whole, especially uh, walk walk me back to September, early October, looking at their schedule. I know. Played Duluth, Minnesota State, Western early. At the time, Wisconsin was still ranked, projected to be high. And then uh, looking at their Big Ten slate as a whole, Minnesota, Ohio State here, Penn State. And like I said, I don't have their schedule in front of me. See exactly how it lays out. But I, I, I don't think six was out of the picture. But, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll change my answer there with the pre-Christmas. I'll, I'll say no on that end of it. So. Okay, and I know every listener out there is waiting for this. It's my co-host, a Super 16, for December 12th. So, Jordan, buckle up. Get ready for this one. Listen closely and give us your opinion when we're done. And then I promise we're going to get in to talk about uh, the departure uh, of Josh Fenton and the need for another conference in just a minute. But, okay, here it is, folks. Super 16, Minnesota State number one, 16-4-0. Quinnipiac number two, 14-1-3. North Dakota number three at 13-6-0. St. Cloud State, 10-6-0 at number four. Number five, the Denver Pioneers, 11-5-0. Number six, 
Minnesota Duluth at 11-6-1. Number seven, UMass Lowell at 10-3-3. Number eight, Michigan, 14-6-0. Number nine, UMass, 9-4-2. Number 10, Western Michigan, 13-5-0. Number 11, Minnesota Gophers, 10-8-0. Number 12 is Cornell, 9-1-1. Number 13 is Northeastern at 13-4-1. Number 14, Providence at 12-7-0. Number 15 is Ohio State, 10-6-0. And number 16, Notre Dame at 12-5-0. Okay, Jordan, digest it, kick it out. You got anything that should be replaced there? Yeah, that's a lot to chew on. Um, I will say, um, looking at your top there, top top two I would have to agree with right now. I, I know I've probably been on my uh my, my my riding my high about them before, but I would possibly entertain moving Western up a little bit, even with their loss this weekend. Looking at how they played Saturday, running in the hot goalie, but NCHC wise, um, St. Cloud, North Dakota are right there. I might swap Denver and Western if I was in your shoes. Um, what what was eleven? Re- read me. Oh, Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota at 11. 11. Yep, 12 Cornell, 13 Northeastern, 14 Providence, 15 Ohio State, and 16 Notre Dame. And I think he got tired because he just put Ohio State and Notre Dame in there, and I don't think either one of them belong there, but whatever. I, I was going to say, if, yeah, Cornell's got the record for it, but I would say I, I do think the verdict's still out there a little bit. Um to see these, especially these next few weeks with how their schedule lines up, they got Arizona state. And then if I I'm almost positive. They open the second half with North Dakota that, uh, that'll be the real measuring stick that as, as it sits now, I, I might bump them down a couple slots, but I do think these next few weeks have a real chance for them to prove they're the real deal. Yeah. Um, kind of the same similar situation with Providence there. And I, I agree Actually, uh, I know Notre Dame, Ohio State, and then um, I, I would obviously just from the NCHC aspect of it, throw Omaha right there. You look at those teams battling for those last two spots, which this is the same thing that I think we're going to run into come at the end of the season there. You, you talk about how interchangeable teams are. Um, even do you have the UMass Lowell in there? Is that? Yeah, there's seven. Okay, okay. I, that that was the other team I was gonna say would be on the rise here lately with it. Um, but for the most part, I, I I like the list. A lot of a uh, lot of teams I would put in the right spot, right position in there. I mean, listen, you you like I said, when you get down there towards the end, all those teams are literally neck and neck in the pairwise. Yep, and you're throwing darts at the dartboard. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, uh, maybe if Omaha had swept this weekend, um, you know, in there. I mean, like I said, I, and I, darts. I, I do say with Omaha too, it it's happened before with this program. The the CC loss, the Miami loss at the beginning of November. Those are the type of things that catch up to you. Sure, losing to St. Cloud in St. Cloud, you lose to Western in Lawson. Uh, you you'll get a, a little bit. You'll you'll get a lot a 
I didn't even notice I'd say a little bit of slack. You'll get a lot of slack. A lot of slack. <laughs> cut, yeah. to, cut to you for losing in that environment, losing to a team of that caliber. But that CC loss, especially getting shut out, and uh, Colorado College scored seven unanswered against them. If you look at the two games of that series, mm-hmm. that they, they very easily, if they wouldn't have built that cushion on Friday night in game one of that weekend, very easily could have been swept by uh, Chris Mayotte's Tigers there that uh, those are the type of things that are going to be the eyesore that people will look at. So I, I, I do think, obviously, they've played well. They've won a lot of the games they've had to win. But there, there's a lot that needs, from my standpoint, a lot that needs to be proven to me by this team in the second half that uh, I don't know if I'd be entirely sold when you say tournament team so far. There's still a few wins away and Saturday's win at Western is obviously a uh, step in the right direction and further proof to show what this team can do, what they can look like, but there's, there's still boxes to be checked. Well, I mean, listen, and there's no shame being six to this conference. No, or, or even no shame being in that 14, 15, 16 I, range I mean, in the, in the just, country with it. Yeah. I mean, so there's half the season left, too. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like I said, if you look at the numbers, and like I said, I don't know how they calculate it. Um, I mean, I don't know, but I sit here and just look at pure numbers, and, and you got Lowell at 5591, and you have uh, Providence at 54. Seven seven with Ohio State at five four nine nine. Now we know one of the we know Team Sixteen's not getting in. No, <laughs> yeah. we know the Team Sixteen is not getting in because unless Can something really Atlantic. crazy happens. <laughs> well, and who who was it last year? That uh, is it St. Lawrence that won the uh, yeah the tournament that. Th- absolutely blew everything up at the end of the year. Yeah, it was if, uh, if if you have a situation like that happen again this year, you're you're looking at it, which obviously there's no ruling that out of the realm of possibility. You're looking at absolute chaos. Okay, so we gotta get we gotta yes, get to now uh, we are talking. And that that's the now fun word in college talking. hockey. Yes. <laughs> we gotta get to Josh Fenton here in just a second, but um I think there's two teams that Arizona State can say they bumped out of the tournament already. I think their split with Bemidji State is going to bump Bemidji State out, and mm-hmm. I think their sweep of Clarkson is going to bump them out, and I think if they happen to sweep Cornell, it's going to bump them out. So that would be three teams that Arizona State could eliminate from the tournament um, just by winning hockey games against them. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> your thoughts? No, I, I completely agree with you. I, I will say, too, with a couple of those teams um, – I know Bemidji State had the win over North Dakota earlier this year, but I, I do think the way they played Mankato, obviously Mankato's Mankato, but looking at how they played them this weekend too is uh, further cementing that fact. And it, you look at Clarkson there, uh, I don't know how uh, how much of a factor in the national tournament they were going to be this year to begin with there, but uh, Arizona State's uh, games against them definitely – hit the nail on the coffin on them so <laughs> yeah totally agree okay so we got about 10 minutes left it's a two-parter for you jordan first of all your thoughts on josh fenton leaving and the long-term effects um on the nchc that's part one and then uh, part two of that is uh with all this influx of teams 
coming back and new teams coming on board over the next five years, how important is uh, getting another conference for, say, the Alaskas and for Arizona State and if Lindenwood officially announces and Augustana comes on board? So um, I heard a lot of stuff uh, regards to Josh Fenton recently for some people, but go ahead and give us your thoughts on Josh leaving and the long-term effects on the NCHC. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we could have a, a whole episode on that topic. <laughs> um, looking at the, the long-term future of it there, the one thing I will say from Josh's standpoint that I'm sure you guys can attest to from dealing with him, you're, uh, you're not going to meet many better people within the uh, hockey industry. So definitely um, from a personal standpoint, happy to see him get the opportunity get the position and I know from the little bit I've talked to him he is a uh, firm believer that the Summit League has the potential to be something special there so um, before I even dip into the hockey aspect of it um, just big obviously congrats to him but I do think it's interesting looking looking big picture with it Uh, I know Brad Schlossman had his article last week um more so as a hypothetical or potential about it, but the the thought of Summit League hockey down the road, I know, has been brought up. You look at St. Thomas in the conference, let's say Augustana gets started up here. You know it, and I know it, a couple of these schools, the CCs of the world, potentially a Western and Miami could get brought in as like a flagship-type program with it. Looking at the success that they've had with NCHC TV, and uh, some of the other revenue streams that they've implemented here, if they can tap into any of that potential um, within the Summit League. And as we've seen here, the la- even recently is the last year and a half with the pod and all the other in- innovative um, ideas that have come with it, Josh isn't one to be afraid or shy away from looking at the bigger picture and doing something like that, that I wouldn't rule that as rule that out as a possibility. Um, but from the NCHC standpoint, uh, I do think it's interesting. And, you know, you've, you've heard a few names here and there thrown out kind of through the grapevine, grapevine of potential people that you could see take over that chair down the road, but nothing uh, where there's been any substantial progress or anything made towards a future replacement with it. I do think it will be an interesting topic and obviously become more clear here in the coming months with it. Um, But at least in the immediate foreseeable future, I wouldn't be too worried, obviously knowing the caliber of hockey that's in this conference about what that future looks like. It's more so just the question for me of, is there a future with the uh, four letters NCHC involved or if it's potentially a shift um, to somewhere else with it? And if that is the case, what that potential conference looks like. And then regarding the second part of your question, that was about just the Western teams, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, pretty much the independent teams in the West. Um, You know, we, we, we've talked to Alaska Anchorage. We've talked to Fairbanks. Um, obviously they'd like a conference. I think Arizona state says they don't need one. Maybe they don't. Maybe I think they personally do. Um, and like I said, if you brought up an interesting point, if the summit league were to, to gather together and, and start a hockey conference as well, and, and you say like they, they take a team or two out of the NCHC, does that open up the door for an Arizona state to go NCHC? 
Yeah, well, I do think the interesting thing with um, Arizona State, especially with that new building on the way, the big out, big question for me is the Big Ten, where that potentially falls into is something down the road if there would be interest in that. Um, but you look at the Summit League, Denver, North Dakota, Omaha, let's say St. Thomas in this situation. You've already got four schools there. I wouldn't rule it out as a realm. Yeah, rule out the uh, the realm of realm of possibilities of a St. Cloud State, or I know I mentioned there, um, CC Duluth potentially being in that footprint of teams that could fall in the uh, geographical standpoint of uh, kind of meeting and fitting in with the rest of the Summit League. What the potential for expansion is there? That uh. It'll, it'll be interesting to follow, but we're long-winded getting back to that with the Alaska teams, especially now with Anchorage, at least as it sits today, being back in the uh, future picture with it. You've got both them and Fairbanks up there. Arizona State, uh, if they start up, we can obviously probably throw Lindenwood into that west there. The other The other kicker to me, though, is... geographically that that's the big thing for me and i've always been a uh, firm believer i know where the they got to go where the money is but when you look at the football side of it when i'm when i'm thinking big 10 piscataway new jersey and uh college park maryland aren't fit in the mold or morgantown west virginia and the big or in the big 12 it it's got to be something that makes sense to me um well and i know the alaska teams really throw a wrench into that but now with the CCHA being back together, you wonder if that's a potential connection. You look, if realistically from their standpoint, does it make sense to remain independent? Uh, I do think there's a lot still to be told. And uh, truthfully, I, I don't know if I'm the one to, uh, to speak much on that from their standpoint there. But at the same time, I, I really do think the big kicker to that is – what does that long-term potential with the NCHC look like? Well, this is this is what I'll say, and and this is kind of uh, a piece that you don't necessarily think about. We asked the uh, Fairbanks coach, or or maybe it was Anchorage. I don't one of them. He said, "No, nah, flight to Phoenix is easy. It's five hours." You know, that's just like flying from the East Coast to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, uh, how how much different would a flight to Vegas be or a flight to St. Louis? Maybe six hours to go to St. And, Louis to play Lindenwood? And, you know, not to think too big picture ahead, but you throw one market right there that I think is the most interesting in the future of college hockey. Looking at how hockey's exploded here lately, if you get – and this, this is strict conjecture, nothing behind this, but if you get UNLV to make that eventual jump, to division one looking at how successful they've been at the club level. If you get kind of a, uh, a partner there with you from Arizona state standpoint, if, if that makes sense to you guys there, uh, I think that makes your chances of potentially hopping on board, joining a conference that much easier. What, what about this, Jordan? Uh, U of A announced this week or last week that uh, they're building a three sheet facility 
uh, four miles from campus on the Kino Sports Complex. Uh, one of the sheets is a 3,000-seat um, sheet that will be strictly the home of Arizona hockey. Um, it's going to be all revenue, all to the University of Arizona, meaning uh, all the board signage, all the concessions, all the potential parking. And Coach Berman said he doesn't even know if they're going to charge for parking yet. Um, they're going to charge for parking. That, uh, uh, you know, so, I mean, that's a huge, huge um, uh, step in the right direction there. Like you mentioned with UNLV, there's nothing holding UNLV back except two things. The, uh, the acknowledgement from the school that they should be an NCAA program and the money. And I know those are two big things, but you got buildings galore in Vegas right now, so that's not an issue. And uh, I know the guys in Vegas want to win a national championship at the ACHA level. I know that Lindenwood wants to win a national championship at the ACHA level, both this year. Only one of them can do it. It's, <laughs> it's going to be interesting down the stretch to see what happens. I think they both feel like they need to. Um, to, to even entertain going the next step. So there's a lot of potential out there. I guess my thought of this whole thing is that I, I think the discussion over the next four to five years is going to be what does Josh do uh, with the Summit League and and do they form a hockey conference in the Summit League? And then if they do, what happens to NCHC? Do they need to find different teams in the West? Um, I don't know. My, my gut thought on this whole thing, to put a bow on it, is I believe that Arizona State needs to be in a conference, and I think this year is going to be the telling point. I think they have potential to win 23 games and still be left on the outside looking in. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to say th- three things to kind of uh, follow up on that. That uh, As I talked about previously, I, I do think that big question mark still is what does happen with the Summit League. And... Realistically looking at it, you think, oh, if, if let's say hypothetically Omaha, Denver, and North Dakota make that jump there, well, then that opens up three potential spots in the NCHC. However, if you get more of those teams to hop on board with you, that number obviously goes up. So from a expansion or realignment standpoint, I still do think that's the big picture. Um, second off, we look at UNLV, we talk about Arizona, we talk about all these things. That's not let's not sit here and act like college hockey is a cheap sport <laughs> where the, uh, the, the budget standpoint still is what's going to hold so many of these teams back. Um, even you look at the new arena as the potential that comes with it. And obviously everyone right away wants to think of the, you build a 3000 seat rank, the potential there for a future D one program or what, whatever the case may be. Um, there's still so many behind the scenes facets that are going to hold you back. And then uh, third and finally, uh, Coyotes ought to give the U of A a call. Might be able to sell off their games there. I love it. We're not going to get into that. Uh, the fact of the matter is Jordan and, 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 and just my response to the first of all, I, I don't see the, the three summit league teams leaving the NCHC and leaving that revenue. No, I, and okay, because, like it's, because I don't see, I, I don't see, I mean, unless you're talking about the teams in the Dakotas all of a sudden uh, joining the division one ranks for hockey, those other schools are not going to do that. And I, I will say per- personally, I, I don't think that's going to happen either. 
the other thing I'll point to is you look at uh, eight eight years ago now, eight, nine years ago when uh, the last big shift in college hockey happened, look at what the Big Ten shift, the NCHC creation. I mean, obviously it's worked out for the NCHC, but you look at the Big Ten, what some of this realignment reconstruction has done to the game, destroyed some of the rivalries, dampered some of the interest, everything else that's came with it. The NCHC obviously has a good thing going right now. You, d- you don't want to ruin that. That un- unless from a financial standpoint, you really see a big gain possible. And obviously that'd be a tough move unless, like I said, you're getting a bunch of teams to join on board. More, more than anything, if, if Josh maintains a relationship there at the NCHC, it almost makes you wonder if you would have an Augustana or some type of school like that potentially join or even a St. Thomas, if they get going here, join the NCHC as a flagship program. There's so many potentials out there that we could sit here, question, and wonder all we want to. But until a couple years down the road, some traction starts to get made, these programs finally get on their feet, get cemented. It's uh, At that point, all it is is a uh, strict conjecture and a bunch of potential rumors or ideas that could be floated, but there's uh, not much substance to them more often than not. So, well, this is this is how I'll end up. Uh, all of what you say is correct, but in the situation of of that school down south <laughs> um, and UNLV, okay, um, the, the biggest issues. I mean, the the biggest issue is a place to play. Exactly. Okay. Now we understand it takes a lot of money to have a program, even if you have a place to play, but having the place to play makes the amount of money you need so much less. Well, it becomes a revenue source instead of a a cost. You know, I mean, you, you're not paying for ice time. Now you're, you're bringing in revenue and, uh, you know, just as well as I do that, you know, U of A, or our, our, uh, Arizona State knows that uh, once hockey gets that building, they're the number three draw in the revenue coffers. Right, we understand that. That's what, but that's my, my point. Being is the place to play is the big expense. Well, and the place to play makes you that much more marketable to a potential conference too. Correct. That, that you've Absolutely. got the you've got the the uh, the proof to show them. All right, folks, I've got nine minutes till they uh, they shut us down. Uh, Jordan, thanks so much for the great conversation. As always, we will definitely have you back on again uh, once things get a little closer to the holiday time and uh, things fire back up again. So enjoy the Christmas holiday with your family and friends. I hope the summer skates fit. Yeah, they're, 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 they're comfy too, so I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Glad we could finally get them to you. I never intended to be on the road for eight weeks, and that's how it happened. So uh, glad you finally got them. Uh, be safe out there, and uh, we'll talk again real soon. Paul and I will be right back in about uh, two minutes to wrap up another episode of College Hockey Southwest Live. At Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. 
Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or BehindTheMask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com. If you live in the Valley, you know that there is no shortage of great Mexican food. But if you want authentic taste with a fair price and relaxed atmosphere, then head to Burrito Express. From the breakfast burritos served all day to combination plates for lunch, Burrito Express delivers that homemade taste you would expect from your own kitchen. Try all of our authentic Mexican recipes at any of our six East Valley locations, from Scottsdale to Gilbert and all points in between. ASU alumni owned and operated since 1995. Go to BurritoExpress.com and check out our menu or find a location to order for fast pickup or delivery. Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is College Hockey Southwest Live. All right, we're back. College Hockey Southwest Live. Scott Strandy with you in Scottsdale, Arizona tonight. My co-host is always Paul Hornstein out on Long Island, New York. And Paul, our thanks to uh, Jordan McAlpine for bringing it as always. But uh, just a couple of quick minutes left to wrap things up. Uh, your thoughts on all the conversation? Well, listen, um, Jordan is definitely our uh, Brad Schlossman. He brings it for the entire conference, not just Omaha. Every time he's on, and we love those conversations. And, um, you know, I mean, he's got the information, and and he, you know, we're, we're glad that he shares it with us. And love that there's a reason why we have him on all the time, right? Because he has it. He brings it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, so young and yet so knowledgeable. <laughs> it's, it's it's almost not fair. But anyway, not. Uh, we, we love having Jordan on. He's uh, he's always, uh, like you said, uh, brings the best of uh, the NCHC to us. And um, that that's always a lot of fun, especially when we have two teams in the NCHC in our coverage area. So, OK, big weekend series coming up. Arizona State at Colorado College. Everybody else done until the uh, New Year's holiday. And then. Uh, Things will get started to ramp back up again then as Alaska heads to Denver and Cornell heads to Arizona State and Colorado College. It's going to do something, but I think it's the second week in January. So uh, <laughs> same thing with Air yeah, Force. They, Frank they has got his feet up on the couch and just relax. Yeah, Frank's just like, yeah, whatever. I mean, uh, I'm sure it's, <laughs> I'm sure it's getting to him. Uh, listen, they, they, the, uh, you know, we can't do anything about the schedule. They can't do anything about the schedule, but they get another couple of weeks off, and I'm sure that they're anxious to get – back on the ice too so yeah absolutely okay i'll let you take it away before we run out of time from the summer skate studios behind the masks college hockey southwest live on the ice time hockey sw.com network is brought to you by burrito express homemade taste takeout speed six east valley locations go to burritoexpress.com to find the one near you behind the mask whether you use blades or wheels whatever your hockey needs are see our three valley locations or behindthemask.com Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, the best in barbecue Las Vegas style, and now available at our new spot at all Allegiant Stadium events. By the NCHC and NCHC.TV. Subscribe to NCHC.TV and catch all of the action from the toughest conference in college hockey. Boost Mobile, 
Bring your current phone to any location and learn how to get a new SIM card free when you switch to Boost Mobile. UNLV Hockey, ACHA Division I Hockey, fabulous Las Vegas atmosphere. Caesars Entertainment Resorts Casinos Worldwide, it's where the action is, in the resort or in town. College Hockey Southwest Live, presented by Behind the Mask, and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW.com podcasts are live on the Podbean app and are available for download at iTunes, the Google Play Store, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. Behind the Masks, College Hockey Southwest Live, and all of our weekly podcasts are part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Very well said, my friend. Well, thanks uh, again to Jordan McAlpine for joining us tonight. Paul and I will be back on Tuesday night with a special guest from Arizona State, the uh, National Strength and Conditioning Coach of the Year, Leanne Blinn, scheduled to join us Tuesday night on the show. You won't want to miss it tomorrow night, Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly with Rob Rothfarb and myself. And, of course, on Wednesday, we will wrap up the ACHA first semester Stephen Marsh and myself on Club Hockey, Southwest Weekly. Good night, everybody.